Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Rurong Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYour6Coffee.com, where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country? Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Welcome to this episode of the Get Up Nation podcast. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Randy McNeely. He's an author, speaker, singer, songwriter, podcast host, and passionate kindness advocate and kindness leadership coach. Randy shares that one of the simplest ways to turn back the corrosive tide of divisiveness and hate, both personally and professionally, is by daring to embrace kindness. To help people do this, Randy authored The Kindness Giver's Formula, Four Simple Steps for Making a Transformational Difference for Good. Additionally, Randy recently founded Kindness Hunters International. KHI is dedicated to seeking out and sharing the stories of and raising funds for amazing kindness givers who have experienced tremendous challenges in their lives. Rather than allowing their challenges to crush them, they have used them as stepping stones of inspiration to create organizations that lift and bless the lives of others. Randy, welcome to Get Up Nation. Oh, Ben, you know, what an honor to be here with you. I really appreciate you asking me to come and be your guest. Oh, man, it's great to have you here. We've had some great discussions here recently. Love where your head is at. Love your values. You host the Kindness and Happiness Connection podcast, so we have a podcast connection here. You really are doing some powerful things in our world. It's never been more needed, the things that you're doing. Will you share a little bit about your background and what has led you to the beginning of these endeavors that that you've started? Will you share a little bit of your background? When I was a young man, you know, I went through some interestingly challenging times with my family. And I had good friends. I was fortunate enough to have good friends and adults who wrapped their arms around me, who helped me to be able to make it through those times. My father made some serious mistakes, ended up going to jail, a lot of embarrassment, living in a small town. Everybody knew about it. And that's kind of where, I mean, I really felt love. I felt kindness. I felt goodness. I felt the arms of love wrapped around me. And without that, I would not be here today. I'll be honest. I mean, there were times during that period where I thought, you know, is life worth living? Mm-hmm. Is it worth going on? Do I, you know, why am I even trying? Fortunately, I had good friends, good people help me to realize and recognize that, hey, you know, my life was worth living. And I also had faith in God. I knew he was there, but we all go through those challenging times. Since then, Throughout my life, there's been various people along the way who have been a tremendous blessing to me and who have lifted me and and strengthened me. And I have always had a desire to give back and to help people who had gone through some of the same, were going through some of the same situations I had faced and help them to realize and know, you know, you can rise above this. You can overcome this. You can, you can get through this. Worked in the, for a long time in the cybersecurity and information security world. Doing a good service, providing, you know, helping businesses protect their data and all those things. But when you're in that position, you're the guy people love to hate. 
because they don't want to talk about that stuff. In that period, time period, I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way I can do things. There's got to be other things I can do to be able to have a personal impact on people. And so I started looking. And this last summer, not this year, last year, I really got an impetus to, to do something when they had all the shootings in California and, and Texas and things. It just, I knew I, I have to... I had this kindness giver's formula in my head that I have got to write a book. I've got to do something. I can't just sit back and hope somebody else is going to take care of this. I have to get up and do something. I have to get up. Yeah, <laughs> get up <laughs> I have to get up and do something. Yeah. And so, you know, at the time I was working with some, my partner, Elia Gorgoris, Dr. Elia Gorgoris, and, and a great film crew on a pilot for a, uh, reality TV show based on kindness and I just thought okay I've got to write this book I've got to promote this hard because if anybody you know if this message is ever needed it's needed now and that's uh, that combination of things has led me to doing what I'm doing now I love people I want to help people I want to lift people I want to reach out in their times of struggle in this pandemic and and put my arms around and say hey we're going to be okay. Obviously, we can't do that. We're physically distant. Not going to use the term social distancing because I, I don't like that term, but we're physically distancing. Mm -hmm. But I can reach out via video. I can reach out via phone, via text, whatever, find ways to put my arm around people and lift them and strengthen them and, and be the kindness giver that I write about in my book. Especially in the information age, we get so wrapped around, you know, we need 10 steps to this and 15 steps to this, and then we'll be successful, and then things will happen, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact is, it doesn't need to be that complex or that difficult, and actually some of the most simple and profound life-changing impacts, it can be life-saving. One simple act of kindness, instead of deluging the world with more information, I love your book because it's a short read. It's to the point. It paints the picture of what a kind world looks like. It gives examples of it. And then it basically encourages us to go out and do it. And so how many times do we get all wrapped up in our information in our head and we forget to do the act of kindness to the person right in front of us? Those are things like we've talked about. They can be life-altering. They can be life-saving. Like you talked about when you were going through things, wondering, is this life worth living? Especially a lot of young people today, you know, looking around at the world that our generations have passed on to them, and they're wondering, you know, what is going on? What kind of world have you all created for us? And we forget that it's important about taking action and actually doing something. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. You know, and that, the beautiful thing is, is the kindness giver's formula is, a, is an action formula. And it's, like you said, it's four simple steps, and they're really easy to do. Anybody can do these. Anybody. First step, every day get up and determine you're going to be a kindness giver. Yep. Look in the mirror. Give yourself that personal affirmation. Put kindness at the top of your mind, the top of your daily agenda right there. Second thing, sit down and think about, take five, ten minutes, however long it takes, think about who you're going to be with, what you're going to be doing, where you're going to be, and put, think of potential opportunities to be kind and plan for those. And then the third step, after you've got those plans in your head, and I say potential, I want to caveat that because we never know how our plans are going to turn out. Right. We, we always make plans and then things never go exactly as, as according to what we plan. And the third step, look for and act on opportunities to be kind. We can all do that. They don't have to be great, grandiose things. Right. They can be a kind word. 
They can be a smile. They can be holding the door for somebody, sending somebody a note. If you, if you think about somebody that you haven't talked to for a while, just giving them a quick call and say, hi, how are you doing? I was thinking about you. You're on my mind. Anything like that. And here's the key thing. You know, I see a lot of wonderful movements out there. It's fantastic for doing at least one one act of kindness a day. If we can be happy and, and doing uh, one give, one kindness, one act of kindness a day, think about the difference we can make if we do as many as we reasonably can. Right. You know, looking for as to do as many as many opportunities to give kindness as we can can find and reasonably do. Let's do them. Why not? Right. Think about the transformational impact that could have on the world. The final step: invite and encourage other people to do the same thing. That's four simple steps. Determine, plan, act, invite. Nice. You can do it. Absolutely. It's 100% right, and I love it. It's accessible for everyone. You don't have to be a CEO of a company to do this. You don't have to have a million dollars to do this. Anybody from any background, as long as you're breathing, you can do this in some capacity. Absolutely. And you know, there's a, there's a quiet power. Yep. It's not obnoxious. It's not loud. It's not screaming for attention. Right. It's a quiet power that goes around making a tremendous difference through small things through small and simple things great things are brought to pass you remember the story i don't know if you've ever read the book or seen the movie les miserables you know but it's about jean valjean who you know he's wrongly accused of stealing well he steals he stole some bread to feed his family because they were starving and then he got put into prison for so many years, and he tried to escape once, and they added a whole bunch more time on, and he ended up escaping again. And when he first got in there, he was a very good man. He had a good heart, kind heart, but over time, remember what happened. He ended up becoming, you know, thinking, you know, people ask him, what are you going to do when you get out? He says, I'm going to steal. I'm going to be a thief. I'm going to do all these things. So he gets out. He, is, he escapes the second time. He finally gets out, and he gets away, and he goes, and he's hiding. And he ends up stopping at this priest's house to ask him for some food. And the priest is very kind, and he invites him in, and he gives him dinner. And he says, oh, he says won't you stay, and you know, I'll give you a bed to sleep in. And you look tired. You look worn out. Come and get some rest. And, of course, he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he goes out, and he steals the silver candlesticks and some other things, and he leaves, and he gets caught. No, he steals a bunch of silver, and he left the silver candlesticks on the mantelpiece. But he gets caught, they bring him back, and the priests, you know, that soldier is saying, that, you know, this man says that you gave this silver to him, and, you know, we need to know, did you really give it to him? And the priest says, yes, I did. And, oh, by the way, you forgot these candlesticks. Mm. And he pulls the silver candlesticks off and gives them to them, and then the soldiers leave, and... We know the rest of the story. You know, the priest, he, he, he breaks down and crying, and the priest puts his head on your head, his head and says, I give your soul to God. Go and be a good man for the rest of your life. And he is. You know, that's just a fictional story, but it illustrates the power that one kind act can have. That man, he, he, he not only changed his life, but he affected the lives of thousands of other people. He became a good man, an employer, et cetera, et cetera. We never know when some simple thing that we do is going to have a ripple effect and, and impact somebody for their entire life. That's right. 
Like I just thinking of countless situations where somebody did something for me that has impacted my life and it seemed, you know, maybe small at the time, but you look back and you realize the, the impact that, that the ripple effect of that and how transformative that can be. Tell me more about everything you're doing here. You have a podcast, you have your book is out. We've discussed that a little bit. The KHI and PPOC. Do you want to share a little bit about what's happening with those things? Yeah, sure. Well, so Kindness Centers International was originally formed because we had an idea for a podcast called The Kindness, not a podcast, for a reality TV show called The Kindness Centers, where the, the vision was to give a platform, give a voice for some wonderful people who have been through some real challenges and have used those challenges as stepping stones to create organizations that are blessing other people's lives. Going to give them a voice to share their story, to a platform to share about their organizations and what they're doing, and give our audience the chance to, to engage and to, you know, if they're touched by the stories that are t- told, you know, to give back. We're going to entwine some friendly competition in in between sharing stories, some friendly service competition, and and have some prize money and other things for that to to help raise funds for these wonderful organizations. Well, that was we were going full steam ahead with that, working to get investors for it, and had just met with a really great company that was interested, and then COVID hit, so oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> that that got kind of got put on the back burner for now. Sure. But then I started with my partner from Kindness Centers International, Dr. Edith Gorgoris, and I started a podcast called the Kindness and Happiness Connection Podcast. And, and the whole theme there is you can't have one without the other. If you want to be happy in this life, really, you need to be kind. Because I mean, yeah. in reality, kind people, you, you, you know people that are kind that are happy. I've, very, I, I've never met a kind person that wasn't happy. Mm. And if you want to be happy, kindness is a precursor. Yeah. I've never met a person who wanted to be happy who wasn't kind. You know, mm. <laughs> yeah. right. they, they work together hand in hand. So we started that podcast to, with the intention, especially we started it after the pandemic was in full swing and with the intention of inspiring people to be able to find ways to navigate forward with happiness and kindness through the challenges that we're facing in the pandemic. I mean, we all know that it's hard to be isolated. They're using that term social distancing, which, you know, I really don't like that term. And the reason I say that is because underneath that, there's an underlying implication of emotional distancing. Hmm. We're all social animals. We love to get together. I mean, most people do, not everybody, but we're generally social animals. We like to get together. We like to be interact with each other. And during this time, there's we cannot afford in any way, shape, or form to be emotionally distant. Mm-hmm. We need to take advantage of every opportunity we find to talk with each other, to interact with each other, to do Zoom like we're doing right now, right. whatever it may be, so we can hear other, other human voices and and that help us to be able to keep our perspective, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. You know, because another big reason was to do that is to help people who may be struggling with mental challenges during this time, depression and other things, to be able to find ways to, to cope. And we've had some great guests that have talked about those things and also just shared some, some wonderful stories about kindness and about how getting outside ourselves is a great way to 
to help avoid our own depression, to help avoid feelings of loneliness. And because and, when we can get out of ourselves and, and think about other people, we can often find things that are going on outside us that remind us that, you know, yeah, I might be having a tough time, but I'm okay. I can do this. I can make it. If these guys who are having a tougher time than I am can make it, I can do that too. I'm working right now. I registered the domain for the Peapock Institute. I, I got a doing business as. I'm working right now to put together what I call a kindness culture framework. But let me back up and say what PPOC stands for. I believe that there is a positive economic power of kindness. There's a positive economic power that comes in organizations and in our lives when we employ kindness. Case in point, if you're in an organization where you're an employee that feels like you have a voice, you feel valued, you feel appreciated, you feel like you can share your ideas without being you know, demeaned, where the, the, the conversation and the way people are treated is respectful, what's going to happen to your feelings of loyalty toward that company? Right. They're going to increase, right. especially, and, and they have a well-articulated mission or vision and say, you know, we are a company, widget company XYZ. Yeah. We make widgets. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't sound earth shattering, but these widgets, when they're put together with these machines, this is how we improve people's lives. Right. And this is your role in, in helping us to do that, to, to create that vision, to fulfill that vision. When those employees feel that loyalty, when they feel like there's a great cause, things that they're good things they're working for, their productivity goes up, their creativity goes up, their innovation goes up. And then what do they do? They're your internal clients. Yep. So if an organization focuses on and taking care of their internal clients and, and building them up that way, how do they take care of your external clients? Right. Right. They they take they, they, they want to treat them right. They right. want to. They're going to say, "Here's why you need to work with company X Y Z. Here's how, you know, you've got these things that you need to work on. Here's how we can help you, and here's why we're going to work hard to help you. Yeah. Not just because you know we're we're looking for money, but we want right. to make a positive impact. We want to help you succeed. Yeah. And when they do that, what happens to the feelings of loyalty for your customers? Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna. They're gonna. Not only they're gonna keep coming back. They're gonna bring you more business, 100%. and they're gonna be an. Ex, they're gonna be both your in that situation. Both your employees or your colleagues and your customers are gonna become an extension of your marketing office. Yep. They're gonna be your brand ambassadors. They're yep. gonna talk about you and and your what I call the kindness market reach. Mm -hmm. The kindness the KMR equation is gonna come into play. You take kindness times internal clients plus external clients equals KMR. Mm -hmm. Your kindness market reach is gonna go way out there. Nice. When you have that kind of reach, what happens to your opportunities? Increases. Your opportunities go up. Yep. And your bottom line is going to just go up right with it. Right. And you know, the great thing about that, it's not that expensive to make these kind of changes. Right. The costs are relatively low and the returns can be huge. Right. Returns can be huge. There's a cycle, what I call the economics of kindness cycle, that kicks off. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to sit there and harp on your bottom line all right. the time. Right. And that was another, another thing that that used to happen to me in the consulting companies I worked for, go into these meetings and all I'd hear about 
we'd sit there and talk for 45 minutes or an hour about the numbers. Yep. How many billable hours are you going to get this week? Who have you, what have you got to? What, what's, you know, all these things drove me nuts. Yep. Drove me nuts. Because I didn't think, you know, if you're taking care of your internal clients and your external clients, the numbers are going to be there. Right. They're always going to be there. Right. And you don't have to sit there and harp on them, and you, and you can allow people without micromanaging them. Yeah. You can allow people to work and take responsibility for themselves. And when they feel like you have trust in them, right. again, that creativity and that innovation goes up. And so that's what PPOC is all about. And I'm, I'm putting together a kindness culture framework that organizations will be able to look at this framework and they'll be able to tailor it according to the size of their organization, according to what they do, and put it into play. And then I will work with them to establish what I call keep kindness health indicators, hmm. just like key, per, key performance indicators. Yeah. What's the kindness health of your organization? Here's what they, Here's your KHIs. Here's how you can measure them to know whether or not the things that you're doing are effective and you're getting the ROI, the kindness return that you would like. Yep. That, that makes any sense. Oh, that's excellent. It makes a ton of sense. And people are starving for that. All of the frustration that is being voiced where people don't feel heard. They say riots are the voice of the unheard. I can see how in a business organization that makes widgets, I can see how you can help these companies get a hold of a sense of bigger purpose than just showing up to get a paycheck for 40 hours a week or whatever it is. You give people more of a connected team. You give people mutual respect. You give people the opportunity to share their brilliance with the group. Basically, it just eradicates, you know, workplaces of all the things of a missed perspective. It, it really focuses in on the fact that the things that are most important in this life are basically your relationships with people. And so, you know, on our deathbed, we're not thinking, man, I wish I could have made a, a you know, 500 more thousand dollars. When death comes, it's too big of a thing. It's more about, you know, the experience that we had, the happiness that was there, the people we shared it with, the overcoming of challenges and hard times, people who reached into your life when you were in a really dark place and helped heave you out into the light, into a brighter future, into a kinder world. Those are the things that are transformative. Those are the things that last. And businesses who recognize this can't help but succeed because they're so in line with what, what truly counts, the human capital, you know, the kindness formula that you're talking about. It gives people the opportunity to be heard, to be valued, to have, to really work in a team, to get past people's egos that are just like headbutting each other for, for dominance or for profit or for promotion. Instead, it becomes a team-based thing where people thrive and they don't go to work looking over their shoulder all the time or gaining animosity towards another person because they're excelling in one place that they're not. It's just so sad. And I think yeah, our public service organizations need this as well. And so, you know, for those who are not feeling heard, for those who are supposed to have public service organizations that serve the people in their communities, to have anybody in their community that's not feeling valued or respected in practical ways then it leads to animosity. It leads to conflict. It leads to unfair situations. It leads to misunderstandings and, and discrimination. It leads to awful, awful realities that no one wants to live under. And so for public service organizations to embrace what you're talking about, even nonprofits or you know, first responder organizations, 
How powerful would that be to have that within their own halls to really recognize, to be trained, you know, how to treat people within their own agency so that they do have an idea of, of how to treat people with great value and esteem and go out into the marginalized in their community and draw them out of, of painful situations. We have so much going on today with the opioid epidemic, with people dying of overdose from heroin, people that are human trafficking, all of these things that are happening in our society that are so disturbing could it's just our first responder organizations and our public service organizations need to do take like you're saying take their eyes off of the numbers and really focus on the people and as far as a performance indicator i would think that people who are thriving with with regard to performance are people who have emotional intelligence are people who really value people and are able to bring you know the minutia of the business or the public service organization into the perspective that this is all meant to create a finer life for us all and yeah. To incorporate everyone together into that, to have everyone's voice heard, there is so much room for collaboration and understanding that we've never had before. People with the internet-based technology, they're able to articulate their frustrations. And so people who have been maybe shunned or ignored or marginalized for a long time find themselves suddenly with a voice and, and, and we have these cathartic processes where... We come together more, where we understand each other more, where we listen to one another without trying to force an agenda on anyone else. That's where we thrive. Would you agree that that is the amazing message that we're experiencing here today in our world is that people are, are demanding to be valued? You know, you said a lot of great things in there, and I agree that, that people want to be valued. People want to be heard. You know, there's so many, so many things that you just touched on. Mm -hmm. And I had all these thoughts going through my head. You know, one of the purposes for PPOC, you know, for establishing that kindness culture is to help organizations avoid toxicity. There's, right. We know we've all worked in organizations where there's been toxicity. Yeah. And the beautiful thing will be about this, this framework, and I'm, I'm going to say right now, I'm still fleshing it out. It's not complete. It's mm -hmm. nearly there, but it's not totally complete. But... People will be able to assess against that framework through an interview process, you know, in the various departments and areas of their organizations. And in the process of doing that, any toxicity that's in the organization is going to be brought to light. Right. And it'll, that will give the organization the opportunity to take those issues and address them head on. Right. So that you can it can get rid of that. And what's that going to do? That's going to that's going to drive the biggest challenge a lot of organizations have. And this is according to a Gallup report from 2017. You know, it's three years old, but the numbers are still useful. The number of organization, the the amount of money that U.S. organizations lose in a year due to lack of employee engagement. Mm -hmm is between 450 and 550 billion dollars a year. Yeah. That's a ton of money. Yeah, it is. That's a ton of money. And that's just lack of employee engagement. You got so, you know, I think I can't remember if it was like 56% of of employees are engaged. You've got 25% that are not engaged. And you have something like 16% or whatever. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'm throw, pulling these numbers out of my head because I don't have them right here in front of me. But I think they said there was like 16% that are actively disengaged. Mm -hmm. And and those 16% end up destroying a lot of the work yep. of the 56% that are engaged. Right. Because they're toxic. Because they 
they are disrespectful in meetings or they, they do things to undermine. They're talking about, you know, there's all this kind of cooler talk that goes on and yep. the morale is low, et cetera. All these different things that go on. When you put a kindness culture framework in place and you have kindness at the top of the agenda, right. when people understand and that the expectation is set that you will treat each other with respect, that we will, we do expect you to behave in these ways. We will address issues that that are not that are outside the expectations that we have and we'll do it in a kind way of course but you know we will address those issues and when people understand that the cost savings from employee turnover right. will start to go up yeah. the loss from employee turnover will go down mm -hmm. And there's all these other, you know, the costs of dealing with toxicity will go down. In society, you think about it, when people have a voice, when they feel like they've been hurt, you know, a lot of the people that turn to drugs or opioids or things like that, that need help, how many of them would not have turned there in the first place if they had had love and kindness shown to them? Exactly. You know, you, 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 we think about the shootings, you know, and one of the things I wrote about in my book you know, I asked the question, can kindness stop a bullet? Mm -hmm. No. You know, once it's been fired, kindness isn't going to stop that bullet. Right. But think about how many bullets that have been fired might have been prevented. Yeah. And we'll never know the answer to this, but you think about that. There's a yeah. very real chance. Yeah. There's bullets that might have been prevented from being fired had someone shown these people some kindness. Okay. Here's a living prime example of, that, of how kindness did stop a bullet. True story. We all remember the Columbine shootings back in, what is it, 1999 or whatever, 20, 20 years ago, Dylan Klebold and, and I, the other guy's name slips my mind right now. Mm -hmm. But there's one story of a young man that was in the library that day hiding under a table. And one of the shooters came in and said, who's under the table? And, and he stood up and the young man knew the guy that was the shooter and he says hey what are you doing he says oh we're just shooting people and then he he says well you're going to shoot me too he said no john run run john run and here's you know afterwards john told the story and he said the only reason i could think of why he didn't shoot me was because i was nice to him they worked together in the theater. They, he hadn't been one of the guys. He was always nice to him. He hadn't been one of the guys that had made fun of him, had teased him, had treated him like, you know, he was less than human. Right. John, John's like, that's the only reason I can think of why he didn't shoot me. Hmm. And you think about that. I mean, we pray that none of us will ever be in a situation like that. But we never know when, right. when the way we treat people may come back to save our lives. That's right. You know, I could tell a quick, can I tell a quick spoiler? Yeah, sure. Just a quick spoiler, how someone, one experience when I was a teenager still ripples through time right now, affects my heart, touches my heart, lifts my soul. I was going through all the things I was going through with my dad. I was 14 years old. I don't know why some of my, my fellow students voted me to be part of this student council group. I wasn't serving on the student council, but I was a class representative. And our student body president asked me if I would type up the agenda for our next meeting. And so I did. And I got to the classroom ahead of time where we were going to have the meeting to set out the agendas so that, you know, they'd be all ready when the other students came in. And I there, and I just got done putting them out when a friend of mine came walking in. And I'll call her Michelle. 
she comes walking in and she was a cheerleader. She was bubbly, happy, smiling, just just one of those people that everybody loved to be around. And she was nice to everybody. And she comes up and picks up the agenda. She looks at it and then she said to me, and not in an unkind way, but she says, oh, did you realize you misspelled the word miscellaneous? And I, I looked at it and I was so embarrassed. I mean, I, I was just embarrassed. And my self-esteem was low. I mean, it was terrible at that time. And I just felt great. And so I, I, I looked at it and I realized I had. And I said, oh, I guess you think I'm pretty stupid, huh? That's what I said. And to this day, <laughs> sorry, but her response chokes me up. Because she looked me in the eye and she said, oh, no, I don't. I think you're pretty neat. And I can't tell you, Ben, how that affected me. I mean, I... I didn't realize at the time how much I needed to hear somebody say that. Mm -hmm. I needed that. I needed to hear somebody say that. Yep. And I, you know, being the macho teenager that I was, I, you know, I didn't want her to see me crying. So I ran out of the room, ran into the, to the, down the hall, around the corner, into the boys' bathroom, into a stall, and I locked the door and I sat there and I cried. I cried. And I felt overwhelmed to know that someone, at least somebody, thought I was neat. And I've never forgotten that. Mm -hmm. Never forgotten that. And if I can share that story and it inspires somebody, fantastic. Inspire somebody else to do the same thing. If I can be nice to somebody and say something kind or do something kind and have an impact on their lives, you know, that, that's, that's what I'm all about. I want to do it because I want to lift and bless other people. I don't care if I get credit for it or not. That, that doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. I just want to be able to lift other people and, and give, give love away, give kindness away every day. Yes. That's great, Randy. I always end the show with six questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Are you willing to run through these six quick questions with me? Absolutely. Who are you thankful for today? I am thankful for my beautiful, sweet wife and my wonderful five children. I'm so grateful to have them in my life. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for, what are you thankful for today? I'm thankful for my sweetheart who is always, she's always supportive of me. It's not easy. <laughs> she has a lot to put up with. But she, she, she loves me unconditionally. I'm grateful for my, for my beautiful children. They're, you know, they bring so much joy to my life they're you know they're not perfect and I'm and obviously I'm not the perfect dad but I'm thankful that I have them in my life they're, they each have their own unique personalities they're a lot of fun they they bring a lot of joy and happiness uh, into my life every day hmm. and how do you fuel the fire within you you know I, I'm religious I'm a Christian I pray every day I start the day with a prayer and with I read my scriptures I read some devotional talks that's how I you know and I study the words of Jesus Christ he's my hero he's my role model that's and I strive to you know follow his teachings and live in accordance with the things that he taught and what is one thing that adversity taught you to value kindness <laughs> adversity taught me to value kindness you know I grew up my father was very authoritarian very authoritarian and yelled a lot and it was often critical. And so when I was in the middle of that adversity, any simple act of kindness toward me just really touched my heart. What are you doing today you may have never thought you could? 
speaking on a podcast, <laughs> talking to you, and, and, and have a have, a, have a, a book that I can talk about, and, and, and a powerful message to share. I, I, I didn't, you know, if somebody had asked me even a year ago if I that I if I'd be doing this, I would have said, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> <laughs> and what will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could? We speaking metaphorically. I mean, because tomorrow I'm I'm going to go pull weeds. But yeah, <laughs> 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 I'm going to be a TEDx speaker. I'm going to be I'm going to be sharing a message. I'm going to be speaking in a in a kindness conference in a couple of weeks that I never thought I would. You know, never thought I'd be doing that either. So, and I I am going to be a TEDx speaker at some point and 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 share my message there. Love it. How can people learn more about you and your work? They can visit www.randymcneely.com. They can check out my LinkedIn profile. That's pretty much where I've got most of my stuff. The peapockinstitute.com will be coming, but it's still it's a work in progress right now. So randymcneely.com is the best place. Mm-hmm.